Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Priyanka Benugopal. Priyanka is an OBGYN turned coach for high achieving professional moms who want to lose weight without a calculator and create more sustainable ease at work and home. Over 10 years, she has talked with thousands of high-achieving professional women and gotten to the root of the high achiever's biggest obstacles in hitting goals at work and on the scale. She's a coffee lover, mama to two kiddos, and the host of the Unstoppable Mom Brain podcast, where she shares tangible skills and real lived experiences of how the high achiever can overcome their obstacles to create more of the life they want in the body they feel comfortable in. In the episode, Priyanka discusses why simplicity and joy are critical throughout any weight loss journey, what it means to live lighter, her own weight loss success formula, and more. If you're liking this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd write a review and share it with a friend. Enjoy the episode. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Priyanka. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. I am so excited to be here. We made it in spite of tech difficulties. <laughs> We're on opposite <laughs> coasts. It's it's incredible how podcasts and technology, when it works, it works, right? And it brings people together from all over. But sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to get to that spot. <laughs> but we did it. We did it. We did it. Can you start off by telling us a bit about your background? I think it's it's a unique one because I know you used to be an OBGYN and now you're a coach. So how did your career change come to be? Or I guess, how did you initially start off as a doctor and then change careers? Yeah. So this is, that's, 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 Kind of in a nutshell, you kind of shared what what I do now. So I am a board certified OBGYN physician, and I would say that for many years, up until probably about 2019, I was living the life of just a busy professional mom, going to the office, going to the hospital. And I will say that I have always been a physician who enjoyed, I enjoyed being a physician. I didn't feel burned out by my career of choice, even though I know that is a issue for so many physicians right now. But I found that I was feeling frustrated in in areas of my life. So I loved being, again, an OBGYN, but at the same time, I felt quite powerless with time, with my kids. I had two kids at the time, three and seven months. And then my partner, my husband would drive me bananas. And at the end of it all, I weighed a little over 200 pounds. 
So from the outside looking in, if you just looked at my life on paper, it looked very, it looked awesome. Like a supportive partner, two healthy kids, a job that I truly loved. And also there was just this underlying current of frustration because I felt heavy. I felt kind of out of control with how to manage my stress, how to manage my my, my fatigue. And I often went to food to cope with that. And that was around the time that I stumbled onto a podcast similar to this. And I, that was when I discovered coaching. I discovered that, you know, despite all of the strategies I had tried in the past to lose weight points, calories, macros, you name it, I have tried it. It didn't work sustainably simply because I really wasn't aware of my mindset coming into each of the strategies I implemented. And so that was when I discovered coaching and I started my own personal journey in losing the weight. I lost a little over 60 pounds over about 18 months or so. And I incorporated strategies that I can imagine having forever with a mindset that supported my high achiever brain. I talk about this a lot and I think it's important for women to know that you might have a high achiever brain, you have some obstacles because of your high achiever brain, but we can overcome them. And I would say in about about a year and a half or so into my own journey, I decided to get certified as a weight loss coach, as a life coach. And I started coaching my clients who are also professional women. And that was when I really felt like the impact that I was having as a coach for these women had just a ripple effect on their life, on their marriages, on their children, and definitely for my, my clients themselves. And it felt like a very, uh, it felt like an aligned decision to move from being a physician to being a mindset coach for women, still serving women, but just in a slightly different capacity. Hmm. Had you always struggled with weight or is it something that happened to you during residency, having kids? Is it, did it happen later in life for you? You know, what's interesting is I was not overweight as a child. I would say maybe like maybe middle school or high school, I started becoming conscious of my body for the first time. Um, there's a lot of comparison. Like I would look at the other girls in my class or in the school and feel like there was something that I wasn't, I couldn't even tell you with words, like what that was. It was just a feeling like I could be better. I could be more, I could be, um, my legs could be smaller. My waist could be smaller. And I think that even though I wasn't overweight, I had the sense that my body didn't feel the way that I wanted it to feel. And then I would say the weight gain probably happened in high school. So I probably gained a little bit, like 15 or 20 pounds. So it was still um, manageable, but it felt again, like I was very unhappy with the way that my body looked. And then I would say medical school and residency really got me. That was when I probably gained the most weight apart from pregnancy. And so mm-hmm. I got my, I had my first baby in my fourth year of residency. I think I gained about 40 pounds or so, which is reasonable. It's a reasonable weight gain. I just didn't lose it. Mm-hmm. So I gained the 40 pounds and I really didn't lose much of it. Um, I lost some of it, not, not all of it. And then I got pregnant with my second one three years later and I gained again. So I would say that each phase of my life, I, I gained just like 10 or 20 pounds. And then over 10 years, it, it was about 60 pounds. Mm. Which is very common, right? As I'm sure you see yeah. with the women you work with, where even if it's just five pounds a year, mm-hmm. or maybe it is 10, but it slowly creeps up. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're in this position of, wait, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> like, how did this? Absolutely. It feels like it happened overnight, maybe, but it 
in reality kind of didn't. Um, yeah, and I think that for me also the creep up happened and I'm, I'm curious whether, you know, anyone listening to this, whether this resonates with anyone listening, I would tell myself in every phase, when this phase is over, then I'll, then I'll get back to it. So with medical school, I was like, you know what, medical school, I had, I mean, these are very compelling and real stories, right? The medical school is so hard. I just deserve a break. I'm studying so hard. You know what, when medical school is over, then I will get, get back to it. Who knows what it, I'm, not, I'm putting it yeah, in quotes, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I'll get back to what is even it, but I'll get back to it. Then I got to residency. I was like, Whoa, I had no idea what I, what, okay. When residency is over, then I'll get back to it. Then attending life. Then I had my first kid. So every phase of my life, it felt like, okay, when this phase of my life is over, then I'll get back to it. And I think the implication was because again, just the way that diet industry teaches weight loss, that weight loss had to be hard. It had to be a lot of work, a lot of effort. So it's not surprising. My brain was like, we don't have time for that. We mm -hmm. have to have an E, we have to, like life has to get easy for us to lose weight. And if you're a high achieving professional mom, there is no such thing. There's mm -hmm. just life happening and it's our job to navigate the hardship of life, including hitting the goal. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you hear all the time on calls, you know, I'll have a client who will say, we'll hop on and we'll say, oh my gosh, this week was just so crazy. You know, X, Y, and Z happened. And so we'll talk about, okay, what did you still do in spite of the craziness? And then they kind of throw out that next week should be better though. And then the next call we hop on, they're like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. The kids got sick. And then my in-laws stopped by and stayed for five nights or whatever. And this was even crazier. And then the next week on the call, the same thing happens that at some point we pause and say, you know, are you noticing this pattern that it's always crazy? Like this is just life, right? What you're calling chaos and crazy is just your life. It's and we all kind life. of have our own definition of what that is for us, whether it's kids, work, extended family, whatever it is, we all have a lot going on. And if you're waiting for that perfect time, the perfect time is not going to happen. Or even if it does, let's say you have a peaceful, easy week. Maybe that happens three weeks of the year. So does that mean you're only going to do your habit three out of 52 weeks? I mean, that doesn't, if we That's think right. about it like that, that doesn't, the math doesn't math. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't add up. And I think that the other piece of that is at least in my experience with high achievers is we love fresh starts. Like I've had a crazy week and listen, there is work in executing your plan when you're having a crazy week. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is because we don't have maybe the right skills or tools to implement when it's crazy. We're like, you know what? Like screw it right now. I will deal with this next week because our brains are craving any justification that you can give it, our brains want the justification to not take action now mm -hmm. because our brain, we, we want immediate pleasure. We want to avoid the discomfort of executing. So we're going to get, we get a little addicted to fresh starts. It's just procrastination for the high achiever just turns into another habit. I had, we have so many reasons and it will always, I'm telling you, it'll always feel so compelling. And to be fair, all the things you mentioned, you know, if it's Weight Watchers, yeah. I don't know, Optavia, where you get fuelings or whatever, isogenics. A lot of these things are very hard and crazy in and of themselves. So if you're going through what you feel like is a crazy time, and then you're adding this crazy protocol on top of it, that does feel extremely challenging. And if you think that's the way, as you mentioned, if that's the way you lose weight, then of course you can't do that because there's no room for that. But if the way you lose weight is taking an action like, adding a vegetable to lunch, 
then it becomes something that you can do in spite of all the chaos. It doesn't have to be this kind of overhauling your entire lifestyle type of thing. Yeah. And I, I'm curious what you think about this. I find, again, this is, I think very often with high achievers and maybe just humans in general, we want the fresh start, but then we also know in the back of our mind, we've been delaying our goals. Mm -hmm. And so our pile of past attempts, our we're getting farther and farther from our goal. So we get overwhelmed with how far we are getting when of us going off track. And because of that, we start overloading our plan. Look, I I wanted to hit my goal weight yesterday. And so let me overdo everything. So now you're going to start eating 600 calories and no carbs, which is just not sustainable, but we're so desperate to hit our goal that we start kind of doing all of these things to get there and they're not sustainable rather than I think what is way more impactful is evaluating what happened this week. I wonder why I said, screw it. Why didn't I eat the vegetables? I wonder why I overate and leveraging those moments to understand ourselves better. And then using that information to tweak. Yeah. Next week. No, I think that, I think that's spot on. You said the word ease earlier Mm -hmm. I love that word. Ease, easy. I always tell people I'm a lazy person in a lot of ways. Like that doesn't mean I'm lazy in my career or, you know, there's, there's ways I'm not, but when it comes to something like meal prep, you know, people do the whole Sunday thing where they're putting it on all the jars or whatever. And if you think, okay, eating healthy and losing weight is going to be me devoting an entire Sunday to putting all of my meals and glass containers and lining them up in the fridge. Again, talk about overwhelming. And also like, I'm not going to do that. There's no way. That's just not me. If that works for people, awesome. And they can totally do that. But for me, that's not easy. And if it's not easy, it's not sustainable. And right. I'm pretty lazy when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm like, my meal prep is asking my husband, how many hard boiled eggs do you think you'll eat this week? And he'll say six. Right. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll probably eat six too. I'm going to hard boil 12 eggs. Mm -hmm. That's my yeah. meal prep. Uh, and then just keeping the easiest, easiest stuff on hand that I can make. And I'm sure clients say to you, I hear this all the time, four or five weeks in to working together they'll say, it just feels easy. I didn't know it didn't have to be so hard. And then they feel like they're doing something wrong because how, like how could it be so easy? <laughs> yeah. how, Cause especially if you've listened, if you wanted to hit a body goal and you struggle to hit a body goal, it will feel kind of jarring. If you find a simple strategy, it mm -hmm. will be like, wait, and you might use it as an opportunity to turn it into a weapon. Like, I can't believe that I didn't figure this out earlier. And Listen, I think that that, again, is just a high achievers way of interacting with creating new ease. Mm -hmm. But I, I also think that ease is different than easy. Hmm. Like I find that ease is ease means that for me, ease means that there will be hard moments. There will be moments that feel challenging. There will be decisions, sometimes saying no to the hottie toddy cookie is going to feel hard. And also what would it look like to feel ease in your no? And I think mm. that there's a nuance there. I think that again, because of how we've kind of come into weight loss, we think we have to never eat a cookie, never, eat, never have the cake, never have carbs. And that's created this very restrictive relationship with food. But what I think is way more valuable is what would it look like to say no to food that you know doesn't serve you, but 
feel ease in your body simply because you know you're taken care of. I think that that is the part that's been missing for so many women that want to lose weight is they don't feel taken care of when they're losing weight. They've been counting and restricting and measuring with a calculator, everything they put in their mouth. And maybe that there's no ease in that. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I, I like that. I've never differentiated between ease and easy, but I, that's a great point. I love it. You say you want to coach moms to reach their ideal weight and to live mm-hmm. a lighter life. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to live lighter? Yeah, this is so good. So a lot of what I do with, I work with professional working moms and what I have found for the working mom is she's living more than she's living more than one life. She's living her, her work life and she's living her mom life. And up until I think, uh, we understand the role of our brain and how we can really create a cohesiveness. I, I find that a lot of professional working moms feel really overweighed in their mind. They feel not enough at work. They feel not enough with their kids. There is a constant sense of not enoughness. They could keep doing more or being more wherever they go. And that creates a heaviness. I mean, this is just my own experience. This is like, you know, back in 2019, when I weighed a little over 200 pounds, it wasn't the 200 pounds that was the problem. I felt heavy in my mind. The 200 pounds happened to be a symptom of how I was feeling. So when I think about adding lightness to your life, it means how can we overcome our obstacles in our mind to start really creating a lighter life in our mind? So how can we feel more adequate? How can we feel more enough, more than enough in our work life, in our mom life, in our relationships, so that we feel sufficient, so that we feel taken care of, so that we feel like our needs are being met, you will be surprised how you will not feel the need to overeat when you feel sufficient and adequate in your working mom life. So to me, creating lightness on the scale starts with really creating lightness in your mind. Hmm. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm understanding is a lot of the times you might be turning to food. It's to deal with something going on in your mind. So if there's a lot of heaviness and stress and overwhelm in your mind, food might be the thing you're turning to. But if you release that, then you're not as likely to turn to food 
for that reason. Is that, is that true? Yeah. So I kind of think of it as like food is one very brilliant coping mechanism that humans have created to create pleasure and to distract from our working mom lives. So stress, overwhelm, guilt, inadequacy, pressure, worry, you name it. The high achieving professional mom is feeling some and all flavors of these emotions. And I think what has happened, which is where the term emotional eating even comes from, is because we don't know where those emotions are coming from, we don't know how we are creating them with our mind, with our thoughts about our life, we naturally, at some point along the way, are like, this is too much. I just need a break. Because the overwhelm, the worry, the stress, the pressure becomes too much, at some point our brain being brilliant is like, we need a break from these emotions. And food is just a quick and easy way to get that. So we create the habit of overeating every time we feel our flavor of heavy stress, overwhelm, pressure. Mm. And what I really like to do with my clients in in the Unstoppable group, which is my, my group coaching program, what I really like to do with my clients is to show them that their stress, their pressure, their overwhelm is coming not from their life, not from their time, not from their crazy kids or their work. It's coming from their thoughts about their life. And what if we got control over those thoughts? What if we could understand how to really be intentional with those thoughts we would start to not feel so much stress and pressure and overwhelm all the time. We wouldn't need the break to mm. begin with. Right. You also have said that simplicity and joy are both necessary along a weight loss journey or a journey to live lighter. Mm-hmm. Why those two words would you say? Simplicity and joy. Yeah. I feel like those are the two biggest ingredients that are missing from the high achiever's life. I think, and I, I, I use myself as my own first example. I love making things complicated. <laughs> I love like adding all, like, you know, the plan is complicated. I used to have like spreadsheets and planners for how I'm going to lose weight, for how I'm going to study for my board exams. I would make it complicated. And especially if you're a mom and you're working you're juggling many balls. So things are complicated enough, but then our brain comes in and tries to complicate things more. And complication is one way that our brain is not going to want to execute. Our brain wants simple direction. If we complicate it, our brain's like, peace out. Let's not do that. Let's just Mm -hmm. delay taking action. So simplicity is an important ingredient to follow through consistently. And then joy to me is simply, I think, a salve that high achievers need. I think we're overworked, we're ruminating, overworking, overthinking, and it's because we think that that's our strategy to handle pressure and stress, when in fact, I think what most high achievers need is to know how to create more pleasure, relaxation, and joy without productivity. That's, I think, a big obstacle for high achievers. We're productivity-driven, so a lot of our pleasure is based on, if I'm productive, if I've done enough, then I get to relax. And so my, my cure to that is like, what if you had pleasure, no matter, I don't care how productive you are or how like lazy or how, how not productive you were today. What if your rest, relaxation and pleasure was not on the line? I wonder what would change for you? What would change Mm -hmm. for your life? It's pretty impactful. Mm -hmm. It is hard. I would say I've recently, or probably over the past year, gotten back into reading. I used to love reading as a kid. Then I was an English teacher and there's kind of a joke among English teachers that we don't read because you're always reading the kids writing 
So you are always reading. You're just not reading books for yourself. You're reading the books the right. kids are reading and you're reading their papers. Uh, and so I kind of stopped reading for the 12 years that I was an English teacher and then got more into a habit of turning to kind of, you know, like dumb, silly reality TV shows for my pleasure, which is fine. Those serve a time and a place. But last year I really decided I'm going to start reading again because I think that could give me pleasure and joy that I'm lacking. But I will say, even with reading, it feels very indulgent, almost, almost more so than reality TV, which <laughs> I don't know why yeah. this could just yeah. be a me phenomenon, but sitting no, down, this is a thing. I think thing, you know, right? really <laughs> like the, the idea of resting and relaxing specifically for the high achiever does feel indulgent. And this yes. is, this is one of the three op- the biggest obstacles that I see for high achievers in hitting their their body goals is because rest and relaxation feels indulgent, we've attached productivity to it. Uh-huh. It's like I have to earn my time to read my book. I have to I have to have earned it. But the trouble with having to earn it is that how do you how do you know you've earned it? Right. You haven't defined what is enough. So that line is constantly shifting and moving in sand. So you might've checked all the boxes off, but what you'll find is you'll check all the boxes off. And when you sit down to read your book, you're like, you know what? I could flash, I could start tomorrow stuff. Mm-hmm. I could flash forward. So that list it's ever growing. So yeah. the key is to, to untether. Don't make your rest and relaxation based on contingent on productivity. You have, and you will find what's so fascinating about this. If you put on your, on your calendar, you pick your, your pleasure of choice, reading a book or relaxing or talking to a loved one or calling a friend. If you put that on your calendar and you're like, listen, we're going to do that no matter what. You will have so much more of a productive day. You'll be so much more focused when you're actually working because your brain will know, listen, we're taking care of, remember, like I don't have to steal like, I don't have to steal from pleasure for myself. It is taken care of. It's on the calendar. I promise you, no matter what, we're going to do it. Why don't we just focus right now and knock this out? Like, why don't we get this work done? We get, it's so fascinating. We get yeah. more pleasure and more productivity when you untether them. It's amazing. I, I would attest to that. And I would say I feel so much more relaxed after reading than I do after even watching TV. It gives me something it's like a supercharge that I get. And so even this morning, uh, we're talking at 11 a.m. Pacific time, my time. Uh, I usually start my workday around nine and I didn't have any other calls before this. I was reading a really good book last night. I made myself put it away and go to bed because I was like, you got to sleep. And then I woke up today and I was having my coffee and I was starting doing little things and I just wanted to read my book. And I had this kind of internal war with myself of no Brooke, but you should do this other thing first. And then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to read for 30 minutes while I have my coffee. And sure enough, I did. And I swear I was 10 times more productive in the next hour before hopping on this interview than I would have been Mm -hmm. had I not done that. So I think that's a real, that, that goes for anything, right? going for a walk. I have this talk with clients a lot of, could you go for a 10 minute walk in the middle of the day? And then they'll have this like reaction of, no, I can't because I have so much I need to do. And I say, what if you just trust me and try it for a week and just go for the 10 minute walk, maybe 15, 30, if you can afford it, whatever works for you, but even just 10 minutes can be helpful. And then watch how that affects the rest of your productivity that day. And nine times out of 10, it's helpful. Yeah. 
It's so helpful. And, and I think that the part that also is interesting is really list, like watch your brain come up with all the reasons to not do it. Mm-hmm. Why? It, it's so fascinating because here we are. I know for myself, I'm like, I just want to rest. I just want to relax. But the moment that comes that I could rest and relax, my brain is flashing forward to all the work I could be doing. Mm-hmm. So our brains are hardwired. It's simply because of a habit that we have created over some decades from I think just the patriarchy and the societal programming that we get, that we are productivity driven. A lot of our value, a lot of our worth comes from being productive. So we feel a little guilty, a little indulgent at resting, but you are going to notice if you try this exercise of just like putting something on the calendar, your brain's going to come up with reasons to not do it mm-hmm. and do it anyway. Like yeah. really catch the excuse and just be like, listen, it's start with something like 10 minutes, start with mm-hmm. something really small and prove to yourself like, oh, wow, I was so productive. Remember, I'm taking care. Like, it's all taken care of. Mm-hmm. It just, you get to prove it to yourself, which is how you, I think, start to rewire your brain with new habits. From what you've said, it sounds like for you, making mindset shifts was really the key to not just losing the weight, but then the keeping it off part, right? I always say anybody could lose weight. Any of us could hop into MyFitnessPal. They probably Mm -hmm. set you at 1200 calories because they love to do that (laughs) to everyone, regardless of your activity level and age and height, whatever. Uh, We could all do a juice cleanse, we could all do a whole 30. All of us could lose weight, but it's the keeping it off part, not having the weight come back on that I think requires a ton of mindset work. And you mentioned that as well. Can mm-hmm. you walk us through some of the critical mindset shifts you help your clients with or that were most impactful for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I too have tried all of the apps, everything, and they all work, but then they don't, they're not sustainable. So I think that really solving the problem and hitting your body goal, it's, I think of it as a three pronged approach. The strategy is very important. So having the plan, having the strategy, it's not, I don't poo poo it. It's not something that I want to um, overlook. I think of it as a 33.333% of your success is going to be based on having a strategy that you love that is simple and that is sustainable. So it has to be a strategy. If you have a contentious relationship with the way you're eating, I think about the way you're eating as your ride or die BFF lover for life. If you don't love it, you're going to abandon it at some point along the way. Hurdles going to come, you're going to say peace out. So you have to have a strategy you love that's simple and that's sustainable. The second piece is the mindset piece. So really believing in yourself right now, which is I am capable of figuring this out. I'm capable of solving this problem. And really importantly, and this is the thing that high achievers don't do, actually imagining yourself at your goal. So the the piece of this that I think is important to highlight is we are hardwired to favor immediate gratification. All humans are favored, are, are wired this way. And the reason for this is because I think just thousands and thousands of years ago, if there's a lion outside of your cave, you're not going to make decisions for the future. You're going to be hardwired for immediate survival. The trouble is when we don't think about the future, when we don't imagine ourselves at our goal, we don't imagine ourselves hitting our goal, we don't believe in us hitting our goal, it's very normal and natural that your brain will say, like, let's just not follow through on the strategy we love. So we have a strategy we love. The reason we're not following through on the strategy we love is because we don't believe we're going to get there, right? And we don't actually allow ourselves 
the belief, the belief piece of what does it take to get there? I might have to navigate an obstacle. I might have to figure out this challenge. And how am I going to figure that out? That is the mindset piece. And then the third prong, the other 33.333% is evaluation. Every single strategy that I tried in the past, Weight Watchers, points, calories, I tried exercising six days a week. I tried the 100 calorie oatmeal packets up until my wedding that worked until the day after the wedding, gained it all back. So all of those worked, but none of them had a robust evaluation strategy. It didn't have an evaluation mechanism built into how am I evaluating on a routine and regular basis, whether what I'm doing is working or not. And that is the piece, I think, especially for high achievers, that is very unique with what I do with my clients is really teaching them a strategy that they fold into their daily life. So their brain starts thinking in evaluation. So this is not just for weight loss. This is any goal. You could have a work goal or relationship goal, maybe a mom goal for like how you want to be with your kids. And when you start incorporating evaluations on a regular and routine basis, your brain, instead of starting to think it's not working, I effed up, I screwed up, I can't believe myself. There I go again. I'm never going to figure this out. That's the old way that drives us to quit. We evaluate. I wonder what it was that created this result. I wonder why it happened this way. Let me, like, how can I leverage this? Like, we want to leverage mistakes. The trouble with what high achievers typically do is we want fresh starts. We, like, make a mistake, we go off plan, and we make it mean, see, I'm not capable. This is the perfectionist, the perfectionist in us. And instead, what I want to invite anyone listening to do is to not hide from your mistakes. Don't look for fresh starts because you're depriving yourself of leveraging wisdom. Mm -hmm. Why did you go off plan? What happened? Let's evaluate that moment. So you need all three pieces. And I think that there's kind of some nuance into everybody's unique, what pieces maybe need more attention. I know for me, I needed all three, all three pieces needed all of my attention, but I work with some clients that really have their plan dialed in, but they don't have the follow through or they know how to follow through. They don't know how to evaluate. So I think it takes some nuance. Mm -hmm. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. I love the part about failure. I There's a quote that I love uh, that failure doesn't exist. You either get the result you want or the lesson you need, uh, which I think is so powerful to think about. Or, you know, there's all the trite failure is the best teacher. <laughs> but it's it sounds true. good. It sounds it's all true. good. Yeah. But let me tell you, failure feels terrible. It does. Like, yeah. you know, you can go like, like, I want you to imagine this happened to me so many times I would lose weight and then I'd go on vacation and I would gain five pounds and I would come back feeling so mad at myself. So terrible. I would kind of have a lot of negative self-talk. Like I can't believe I just undid all my hard work and listen, making a mistake, there is a sting of discouragement and disappointment. 
I think that the trouble for a lot of a lot of us that are not aware of this is that doesn't mean you're not capable of solving it quickly. Mm-hmm. We we make that disappointment and discouragement because it feels terrible. We make it mean that something is going wrong, rather than this is disappointment. Feels like crap. Feels terrible. And now what? Like how can I be on my own side right now without quitting and hiding? No fresh starts. It feels terrible. And now what? Failure is not a. It's not a fun feeling. That's okay. I interviewed a mindset and motivation expert, and she was saying that discomfort that you just described, let's say after a failure, discomfort is actually a sign that you're doing something right. So we we sit with discomfort and we think, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. But actually, if you're uncomfortable, you're making a change and that's a good thing. And so all change feels uncomfortable. Anytime you're learning a new skill, like a skill of eating in a different way or moving your body in a different way, you're always going to experience discomfort. So that's actually a good thing. And that really stuck with me. Uh, What about motivation? I'm sure you hear this a lot where people will say, oh, I was so motivated right when I started and now I've lost motivation and I don't want to do anything that I was doing. Yeah. That's like, just like the human way. Yeah. (laughs) That's all we, that's all we do. So like, if you think about every January 1st or maybe your birthday or the first of the month or a Monday morning, our motivation is very naturally at its highest. And I think about motivation as activation energy. So if you think about like a chemistry experiment with like little test tubes and the beakers, think about motivation, that fresh start that you're getting is like you're adding an ingredient that is going to drive you taking massive action. Maybe you're going to create a plan. You're willing to do the uncomfortable thing. You're going to try something new. Motivation might be really good fuel to activate you. The trouble with motivation is that it is gone by Monday night. It is gone by February 1st. It is gone like one month after your birthday, one week after your birthday. And so I don't think of motivation as good quality fuel to sustain following through and maintaining hitting your body goal. So there's a place for motivation, but we need to have better quality fuel to drive us to show up every day, to follow through on what we said we were going to do, to execute and then evaluate our our plan. And for me, the answer comes in the form of commitment. Commitment feels grounded. It feels a lot steadier. It drives me to do things that I don't feel like doing simply because I feel committed it's, it's not waxing and waning. It's not up and down. It feels a lot steadier. Like my favorite example is if my kid is waiting at the bus stop and I'm in the middle of watching my show or doing some work in the middle of an email and I'm like, oh man, I have to go like, I have to go pick my kid up. I might not feel like picking my kid up because I'm in the middle of doing this other thing. My motivation is zero. I have zero motivation (laughs) to go pick my kid up. When we apply that principle to weight loss, to hitting your body goal, you're never going to go pick your kid up. You're never going to go pick yourself up at the bus stop if you're relying on motivation. Rather than that, I think it's so much more valuable to remember, wait a second, I would never leave my kid waiting at the bus stop. I'm so committed to him. This is so annoying. I hate that I have to get out of my chair. It's so annoying, but I'm so committed to him, to having him home. I love him so much. Of course, I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing getting in the car and going, picking him up. Mm -hmm. So to me, motivation is important, but it's not good quality fuel to drive us to take consistent action when it feels hard. Yeah. There's so many examples like that, right? Yeah. Unloading the dishwasher, flossing your teeth, brushing your teeth, all these things we do day in, day out, because we're committed to 
oral hygiene or keeping a clean kitchen. It's not that we jump up off the couch excited to floss our teeth or feel motivated to do so most nights. I mean, at least I don't, I don't know, maybe, (laughs) maybe dentists do, maybe, (laughs) but probably not, honestly. (laughs) Uh, What unique challenges would you say that working moms have over, I don't know, moms who don't work or other people, just what unique challenges Mm -hmm. do they have? Yeah. You know, I find that working moms, women, moms, I think every category, however you identify has your unique challenges. I don't think working moms have more challenges than, than women in general. I don't think working moms have more challenges than, than moms who are not working. I just think that they're unique challenges, which is why I, you, I specifically work with working moms, but I have found for for working moms specifically is the perfectionism piece, the not enoughness that follows the working mom has been, I think, a lot heavy hand, a lot heavier handed in their life than it is in the non-working mom category. Just because our we have 24 hours in the day, we have a limited amount of time, energy, and bandwidth. So it's not surprising if we want to be A plus at work and A plus at home with our children, A plus in our relationships, that it makes a lot of sense that working moms sometimes don't feel like they're enough because they have a limited amount of time, energy, and bandwidth. And now we're step we're we're kind of allocating it to different areas of our life that I think it it follows high achievers in this way a little bit more than not enoughness. And then that drives working moms to try to overshoot that, overworking, overthinking really, which is what creates the heaviness in in their mind. You mentioned strategy as being 33.33333% mm-hmm. of the equation. What are some of the actions that work for most people as part of that strategy? So I know it's impossible to give like a one size fits all prescription or diet to everyone, but what are some of the strategy pieces that work for most people, would you say? Yeah. So I think that the very first, there's like two parts to this, to this tool, but I think the very first tool is to remember that your body is a natural calculator. She'll tell you when she's hungry and she'll tell you when she's not. And I think, again, we've gotten so accustomed to logging points and calories and being so in our heads that we've gotten very disconnected from our body. And here we have a body goal, yet we're so disconnected from the body and the body goal that we actually want. So I would say the the number one thing is if you really paid attention to eat when you're actually hungry and stop when you're actually not, you would be surprised at how some of your decisions would change and just, just that one decision in itself will create massive results. Eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're not. And the trouble with this is you're going to have to challenge, it might be 12 o'clock and everybody else is eating lunch and you might not be hungry then. Or if you're at a gathering and everyone else has food on their plate, you might feel awkward or silly for not having food on your plate. So this is going to require that you challenge social norms. But eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're not is an incredibly powerful first tool. And I would say the second one, is taking a break from highly processed foods. Mm. And that is, again, it just plays a role with your body chemistry, with the physiology of your body and how you burn fat. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of eating all forms of macros, carbohydrates, protein, and healthy fat. But there are really like a lot of body chemistry effects that can happen if you take a break from highly processed foods. And that will also help you listen to your hunger and satiety a lot more, a lot more impactfully. Mm -hmm. I've heard it said that they kind of hijack your hunger and satiety yeah. signals, right? So Absolutely. If you're Absolutely eating you yeah. pro ultra processed foods, it's really hard to eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. Absolutely. And it's important to know that you're not just weak. I think no. that that's so important. I actually just recently did a podcast episode on my podcast where I talk about the science of fat burning fat and why taking a break from processed foods, intermittent fasting, like really implementing specific tools, why and how they work. And then you get to decide, is this something that I want to incorporate? At least you know why you're doing what you're doing. I feel like so often we like jump on the no carbs, keto, juice cleanse plan without knowing why we're even doing it. So I think that it's important to understand at least a little bit of the science behind why we're saying what we're saying. And then you get to decide if it feels mm -hmm. like it fits for you. And I think you said the key word, it's a tool, right? There are a lot of tools out there. Absolutely. The tool that works for your coworker that they're just, they yeah. can't stop talking about. <laughs> like they're making it seem like it's this way or mm -hmm. their way or the highway, right? It's, yeah. You have yeah. to do, you have to use this tool because it's working for them, but that's just one tool in a toolbox. So if you understand how fat loss works, there's all these different tools that you can choose from. And then yeah. that's how you get sustainable results because you find what works for you. Yeah. And I think this requires that. And, and high achievers love rules. I know because I'm one of them. I love rules. If I just follow the rule, then I'm going to get the results. But sometimes we take that too far and we don't listen to the needs, like our actual body's needs, our, our like desire needs. So I think it's important to think of these not as rules, but as guides. Mm -hmm. And then taking it through the filter of like, how did, does this tool make sense? Does this make sense for my life? Is this the way you lose weight is the way you're going to sustain it. So if you mm -hmm. don't want to do the 600 calorie juice cleanse and you don't want to maintain it that way. Don't do that. Like, why did I gain all the way? I did the hundred calorie oatmeal packets. I mean, there was no way I plan on doing that forever. But wait, so why is not that surprising? Even? I gained it back. Did you do it calorie oatmeal packets? At every meal? No, 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 no. I did it for breakfast. Okay. I, this was when I was deep in the Weight Watchers, like Got deep it. in the calorie counting, deep in the point. And the hundred calorie oatmeal packets was perfect because I got a little bit of something, but it really helped my calorie a lot Got before the day. It. Yeah. And like the day after the wedding, I was like, I don't want to eat that anymore. <laughs> Get right? those so away from me. Maintain yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm so done with that. So it's just important to really remember that these are all tools. We have to take it through the filter of, is this the way that I want to live forever? Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah. important. Well, I'm so grateful that you shared your time with us today. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Yeah, I think this is so, so, so such a good question. I think about making the health investment as prioritizing your body goal to the top of your list. Prioritizing your body goal, which means you, this is just for you. It's not for anyone else. Prioritizing it to the top of your list will help you show up better in every area of your life at work as a mom and in your relationships, which is why it is an investment. Mm -hmm. It is an investment to put yourself first. It will feel uncomfortable to do it. Do it because you will show up better everywhere else. It just pays back in such high dividends, your ROI. It's, it's the best investment. 
I know you have a podcast. I know people can work with you. You mentioned Instagram. So where can everybody follow and find you outside of this podcast? Yes. So I am the unstoppable mom brain everywhere on the internet. I have the unstoppable mom brain podcast, which talks about strategy, mindset, and skills, which is, I think, highly valuable if you enjoyed this podcast episode and the unstoppable mom brain on Instagram and the unstoppable mom brain.com on the internet. And I have free trainings on my website. So I specifically, my most recent training talks about the three biggest obstacles for the high achiever and how to overcome them. So you can go grab that training at the unstoppable mom brain.com forward slash training. Awesome. Well, I will put links to everything you just mentioned in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for being here, Priyanka. It was such a, an enjoyable conversation for me. And I know listeners will have gotten a lot from this as well. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.